The person who is bringing the goat to the cliff has now arrived there. We learnt about how there were ten huts on the way to the cliff, and people would accompany him from hut to hut, but when it comes to the cliff itself, only this one individual person who is transporting the goat, only he is there with the goat by the cliff. Now, we learned a couple of Prokham ago that the Kohen Godel tied a red string to the head of this goat in between its horns. And if the sins of the Jewish people were forgiven, then this red string would turn to white when the goat was thrown off the cliff. Now, there was a concern that if the person who is dealing with this goat, if he sees that the red string turns white, and this could happen even before he's actually thrown the goat off the cliff. So if this happens before he threw the goat off the cliff, then he might become so overjoyed over the sign that the Jewish people's sins had been forgiven, that he might even come to forget to throw the goat off the cliff because he has already seen the sign that the sins have been forgiven. And so the mission is going to show how he makes sure that the person is occupied already from the beginning. As soon as he reaches the cliff, he starts dealing with this red string and doing certain activities so that he is already preoccupied in what he needs to do with this goat. And that way, even if it does turn white, since he has begun to deal with the goat, he will finish it and actually throw the goat off the cliff. So the mission asks, Meha what would he do? He would cut, he would split the red string, which was up until now tied between the horns of the goat, and now half of the red string he would tie on a rock, which was at the top of the cliff, and the other half he would tie back onto the, the horns of the goat, and then he would throw the goat backwards for it to fall off the cliff. This way also, if for whatever reason, the way the goat fell, the person couldn't see the string, so he wouldn't be able to see whether it had turned white or not, but since he had now split the string and cut and tied part of it to the top of the rock, so he would know if it had turned white. But as a the goat rolls down, and it wouldn't even reach halfway down the mountain, before it had become just many limbs, not connected to each other, and just totally broken apart. So he'd now completed the service with this goat, and he comes and sits underneath the last hut of the ten huts which were in between the Bishamikdosh and the cliff, until it gets dark, until the end of Yom Kippur, even though in general one is not allowed to travel more than 2,000 Amos on Shabbos, and the only reason why this person was allowed to travel all the way to the cliff was only so that he could perform this service, and now it's done. So I would have thought that he only has 2,000 Amos now in every direction. Nevertheless, says the Mishnah, the Rabbonon were lenient on him, and said that he is allowed to travel back to the last hut, which is 4,000 Amos away from the cliff, the reason being that if he is not allowed to, then he would be forced to be in the desert alone for the rest of Yom Kippur, and it might be that in future years, people will not really take this job, because of fear of being in the desert alone, and therefore they are born lenient and said that he can travel back to the last hut along. Now the Torah says explicitly that the person who sends the goat off the cliff becomes Tome, and also his clothes become Tome, which means that he himself gains a high level of Tumah, which is even transferred to its clothes as well. And so the Mishnah asks, And from which point does he make his clothes Tome? Meaning, from which point does he himself become Tome? When is he considered to be the one who sent the goat off? So according to the first opinion of the Mishnah, As soon as he goes out of the walls of Yerushalayim, on the way to the cliff, he is already considered to be the one who sends the goat off, 
and is therefore Tommy from that point already. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, only from the time that he actually pushes off the goat off the cliff, only then is he considered to be that person. So really that is the completion now of the Sola Zozel, the goat thrown off the cliff, which was really the main focus of this Perek. Now the Mishnah goes back to the Kohen Godol, who is waiting in the Mishnah to continue with that day's service. Mishnah Zayn. The Kohen Godol comes to the bull and the goat, which are going to be burnt. So if you recall, he had slaughtered a bull and a goat, and sprinkled their blood in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, on the Pareiches, on the Mizbech, etc. And now he actually comes to bring them as Korbanos. Quran, he tears open the animals, the goat and the bull, and he takes out their limbs, referring to these specific limbs, which are offered up on the Mizbech, as the Torah describes. And indeed, in the Solomon Bumogis, he places them on some sort of tray, which literally means, and he offered them up on the Mizbech. However, the Gemara explains that he wouldn't yet do this, he would actually do this later, Later on, after he had changed his clothes from his white Jim Kipper clothes to the less unique gold clothes of the Kohen Gadol. Now when it does come to offering up on them up on the Mizbeach, he would sort of twist and mix together all of the limbs, meaning the limbs of the goat and the limbs of the bull were put on two sticks together and they would bring them out to the place of burning. Somebody else, not the Kohen Godol, would take them to be burnt because unlike a regular carbon Chatos, the meat of this animal could not be eaten at all. So instead it needed to be burnt. Now the Torah explicitly says, also with regards to the person who burns the limbs, that he becomes Tomei to a degree that his clothes also become Tomei. So the Mishnah asks again, from which point does he become Tomei to a degree that he can make his clothes Tomei? as soon as these people who are going to burn the limbs, as soon as they have left the wall of the Azara, the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash, they already have the status of those who are burning the limbs, and therefore they become Tomei. However, Rabbi Shimon says, this is only the case, once the fire has lit up and begun to burn the majority of the limbs, at that point they are considered to be the ones burning the limbs, and as such become Tomei at that point. All that we discussed in the previous Mishnah are really just preparations for a service done by the Kohen Gadol. Now, of course, the Kohen Gadol also had to do these preparations, but they are not necessarily considered to be part of the main service of Yom Kippur, as much as, for example, actually offering up those limbs. Now, for something which really was considered to be a main part of the service, the Kohen Gadol could not do that until the service with the Sarla Zazal had been completed. But the question is, that was done on a cliff many miles away from Beit HaMikdash, so how would he know when he could continue with the service? So, Omer the Kohen Gadol, they would tell the Kohen Gadol, the goat has reached the desert. So already we see that according to this opinion in the Mishnah, it is not necessary that the goat has actually been thrown off the cliff. Rather, it is enough that the goat has reached the midbar. Already from that point, it would be permitted for the Kohen Godel to continue the service. But the question is, from where would they know that the goat had reached the desert? Answers the Mishnah, they would set up very large, tall rocks, a few of them from the Mishnah until the desert. And once the Kohen Godel reached the desert, then they would start waving flags on the top of the rock, which is right there by the desert, and then the person standing on top of the rock nearest to there would also start waving flags, etc., until they reach back to the Beis HaMikdash, and that way, the Yodin Shegiyas Midbar, that way they would know that the goat had reached the desert. 
Um, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said there was no need for these big rocks and the flags because Vahalai Simon Godelhoyalahem. Surely they had a great sign by which they would know if the goat had reached the desert. The distance between Yerushalayim and the general area of the sharp cliff at which the goat is pushed off, and the general area refers to the entire desert. So from Yerushalayim and the base Hamikdash until the desert is Shalashamilim, three mil, which is equivalent to six thousand Amas. So Holchem mil. Some people would accompany the Kohen Godol from the base Hamikdash for the distance of a mil, and then Vachazrin mil. They would return that same distance of a mil, and then Vashohing the mil. They would wait the amount of time which it takes to travel a mil. And then that's already three mil. The Yom Shegetz So they would know and they could easily assume that the goat had reached the desert, and so therefore the Kohen Gadol could continue with his services in the Beit HaMikdosh. Now we have a third opinion, Rabbi Shmuel, and Rabbi Shmuel says, Sure, they had another big sign for them to know whether the Kohen Gadol could continue with his services, and that was that as well as the red string which was tied to the horns of the goat, and also to the top of the cliff, according to Rabbi Shmuel, there was also Loshen Shalzahiris, a red string, there was a red string which was tied above the entrance of the Heichel, the, ba- the main base Hamikdosh building. And when the goat reached the desert, the red string would become white. As the Pasuk says, If your sins will be like crimson, like red, then they will whiten like snow. And that is a hint to this idea that the red string would turn white in order to signify the forgiveness of their sins. The Gemara explains that the reason why Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachomim do not agree with Rabbi Ishmael is because this red string only existed originally in the Beit HaMikdosh, but once the Chachomim saw the people were sort of relying on this, and if it didn't turn white, then they would be very perturbed and concerned. There was no longer a red string which was hung at the entrance of the Beit HaMikdosh, and therefore Rabbi Huda and the Tanakama had to give other signs for how the Kohen Gadol would know whether he is able to continue with the services in the Beis HaMikdosh. The order and sequence of things done by the Kohen Gadol continues, and the Mishnah tells us that the Kohen Gadol now comes to read from the Sefer Torah those things which apply to Yom Kippur. In Ratzal Likrei's Big Day Boots, if he wanted to read from the Torah wearing his Big Day Boots, his white linen garments which he'd be wearing until now, those which were unique to Yom Kippur, Kaiwei he's allowed to read it still wearing those clothes, even though it's not strictly speaking a service unique to Yom Kippur, and it wasn't done inside the Heichel, nevertheless he was allowed to continue wearing it for, for Kriya Satoira for the reading of the Torah, Vim But if he didn't want to, then Kobik Itzis Lovan Mishalai, he's allowed to read wearing his own white clothes, his own white cloak. He does not need to wear the Shmoda Begodim, the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol. He does not need to wear those for Kriya Satoira. Continues the mission, Chaznachanesis, Natal Sevatoira. The Chaznachanesis, who was in charge of making sure things were run smoothly, in the base Knesses, which was by the base Hamikdash, where they were davened by the base Hamikdash. So that person would take a Sefer Torah from that sort of shul, that base Knesses, the Nois and the Rosh Knesses, and he would give it to the Rosh Knesses, whose job it was to sort of decide who would daven, who would read from the Torah, similar to a Gabba. He would give it to the deputy Kohen Godol, and then the deputy Kohen Godol would give it to the Kohen Godol himself. The Kohen Godol would stand up and take the Sefer Torah. Then he would read from the Sefer Torah standing up.
Whenever one reads from the Sefer Torah in public, he needs to stand up while doing so. And which parts of the Sefer Torah would he read? He would read Parshat Zacharimos, which discusses the services of Yom Kippur in the Beis HaMikdosh. The Achba Osar. He would also read the parasha beginning with Achba Osar, which refers to the prohibition of doing Malach on Yom Kippur and of eating and drinking on Yom Kippur. And once he had read those two parashas, the girl Sefer Torah, he rolls up the Sefer Torah, and he places it sort of in his lap. He holds on to it. So Omar, and he tells the people who are there, More than that which I read to you concerning Yom Kippur is written here. Meaning, I didn't read to you every last bit about Yom Kippur which is in the Torah. There remains some more psukim about Yom Kippur, Uve Osar, and the Parsha beginning with Ve Osar, which also talks about Yom Kippur, specifically the Karbonus of Yom Kippur, Shibu Chumash which is in the Chumash of Bamidbar, Kure Al Peh, he reads that by heart. The reason being that to roll the Sefer Torah from Sefer Vayikra all the way to Sefer Bamidbar, many parishes, many, many psukim, that would take a long time and it would cause everybody there to have to wait. And this comes under the category of Tirchad Tzibura, of causing bother and making the public, making the congregation wait around. And so that they wouldn't have to wait, he would roll at the Sefer Torah, and without rolling it towards Bamidbar, he would close out the Sefer Torah and read that part of it by heart for everybody to hear. And that's why he had to tell them that it is written there, but he is saying it by heart so that they don't need to wait. Alright, now once he has completed the Kriyasa Torah, from he makes eight brachas on Torah. So nowadays people make two, one before and one after. So he would make those two plus another six. First he had a Torah, on the Torah itself, before reading and after reading from the Sefer Torah. He would make the regular brachas of Asher Bochar Bonu and Asher Nosan Lon Emes that we make nowadays. Thirdly, Val also on the Avedo, the service, asking Hashem to accept it. Val and thanking Hashem, the bracha of Maidim, Val Mechilasa Ovein. And about Hashem forgiving the sins of the Jewish people. Number six, a special bracha about this Hamikdosh in itself, asking Hashem to continue resting his presence in the Beit Hamikdosh. Seventhly, and a bracha especially for Yisrael, for the Jewish people, about how Hashem chooses the Jewish people. And lastly, and there was also a bracha about Yerushalayim in its own, its own bracha, talking about how Hashem chose Yerushalayim, and how he continues to choose Yerushalayim. And now, interestingly, you've got a sort of a ninth bracha, there was a bracha about the Karanim, a unique bracha especially for the Karanim, that Hashem chooses the Karanim. And so because of that, many Mishnahis don't actually have the version of Yerushalayim, they, they skip out the bracha about Yerushalayim. And then Vashara the rest of the davening, he continues praying for other general things, which the Gemara describes in more detail.